Folks, welcome back to The New Illumination. I am Christopher Yarma. Um, this is a section from a recording I made March 6th, and I'm discussing the origin of public education, public schools, and kind of its effect on the psychology of the individual, um, the group, culture, and how it's basically become useless for its intended purpose of actually educating individuals and improving their lives. And has instead become a mechanism for instilling society-wide groupthink, which is constructed to propagate and uphold institutions and systems which our civilization relies upon to continue operating in the way that it currently is. Um, you know, these systems, their advantages or their disadvantages from the times when they were founded, you can talk about that, you can argue, you can say, well, they were made for this purpose, they were made for that purpose. I mean, really, if you look into the origin of our current public education systems, you'll find that they were largely influenced by um, industrialists who had enormous workforces to fill because of their the institution of factories in large-scale manufacturing, and that uh, they, for one, had to take away the parents from the home in order to operate these, these enormous factories, uh, and oftentimes took the children as well because there were little crawl spaces and stuff in these large-scale manufacturing plants which couldn't be accessed by adults. Um, but for those children who weren't working in the factories for whatever reason, um, they had to have somewhere to go during the day, somewhere that they could be kept and so these industrialists, these people who were forming the foundations of the institutions that we are now kind of beginning to uh, sense have run their course, um, these founding individuals also founded public education systems to not only keep the children occupied during the day, but also to get them used to a certain modality of living, a certain hierarchy, a certain rank, a certain manner in which the new institutions that they had created worked. That was kind of the process of the institutionalization of education. So I mentioned the date of the recording above because it's interesting. I recorded this audio prior to any of the state-ordered closures that we're experiencing now. Um, it's just very apropos, it was a few days, and I, I have a, an image that is the multimedia map of coronavirus and school closures, and they all took place, at least the orders for school closures from the state or federal levels, uh, took place more toward mid and late March, and I recorded this on March 6th, so it's kind of interesting. I think that now that families have been brought together kind of forcibly by the orders of these organizations um, due to those organizations' incompetence and inability to prepare for and deal with situations that are outside of their control, um, I think not only families but communities and individuals are going to begin to appreciate the value of what we've given up in trading the control of our lives in exchange for kind of an illusion of security that we find through taking on roles within a very complex system of institutions.
created and designed in such a way uh, as to propagate themselves politically and economically and not created to provide for the well-being of communities, families, or individuals. So I think that we're starting to see that very clearly now, starting to see that it's not going to work anymore uh, in the world that we are entering currently. And this episode is just a little section of a longer recording where I speak about how we might be able to potentially build a society that bypasses and negates the need for the institution and gives the power over the individual back to the individual. But for now, a short treatise on public education as it stands today. You know, if I were to give a a talk to a group of kids these days, uh, right now, you know, in 2020, let's say I was to give a, a talk to an elementary class or something, what I would say is that the thing that you're doing right now, you know, the things that you're learning right now, you don't need to know. You know, you don't need to know the multiplication table even right now. Uh, You can. Knowledge is, you know, the old saying, knowledge is power. That's real. What knowledge is, is it's an understanding of the things that are around you, of how things work. And uh, having knowledge is, you know, I see it as the best defense against um, being controlled from the outside, you gotta know things. And that's what science is about. We're trying to get more and more knowledge about how things work, um, so that we can manipulate the world. We can. I mean, that's why you know people aren't studying climate for no reason. It's because they want to figure out how are we going to uh, safeguard and protect the climate in the future. How are we going to improve what we have right now? So knowledge is really uh, it's the means of improving your life of improving your existence but I would say to these kids you know the knowledge that you're being forced to consume is not really going to serve any purpose to you and you don't need to know these things you what you're doing right now in 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 elementary school middle school high school even, you're basically, your parents are having you be watched for the majority of the day because they have to work. And there has to be, there has to be some justification for this, for um, shoving all of our kids into institutional buildings for the majority of the day so that the parents can go and work. So we're going to say that it's education to make um, better workers. That's that's the essential uh, impetus behind the, the school system, the public school system, is to say we need more worker drones for the factories, you know, that's where it came from. 
We didn't have schools like this until the Industrial Revolution when parents had to go out of the house, away from the farm, in order to make money. Uh, well, those the same people um, in control of the Industrial Revolution, like John D. Rockefeller, for instance, who were taking the parents away from the home during the day. Well, very kindly, he provided the, uh, the answer for the kids, the kids who weren't working in factories, which they also did, and died in, in big numbers. He said, uh, we'll basically make a, um, a, training, a training course for these kids to become indoctrinated into this new industrialized world, make them into um, cogs, you know, uh, bits of the machine, um, and we'll kind of form them all to perform the functions that we need them to perform. John D. Rockefeller was instrumental in creating the public school system as we know it, and um, other industrialists were involved in similar social engineering. Now, we're not living in that world anymore. You know, it's changing. So, automation is taking away a lot of these repetitious, um, monotonous jobs. We still have the paradigm of a person having to have a job, you know, a, a specific a job that they go in and clock in for. We have that paradigm culturally, but it's losing its salience. You know, it's losing the degree to which it um, actually applies to the world that we live in. So, again, you know, this relationship between having a day job and having public school or the necessity for public school when the first the the, the cause uh, disappears or lessens the need disappears or lessens as well so I would say to these kids what you're doing here is not important it's what is being done outside uh, and it's actually nothing that you're learning is, is made to really uplift you. There's the occasional person, and that's the thing about this system, is that, of course, the occasional person is going to rise above it. So you have your kids who love knowledge one way or the other, and they utilize school as uh, the means of ascendancy. So they use it, they then are able to get into universities and uh, pursue the thing that they're passionate about. But the majority of good students, that is students who fill out the answers on tests in the way that they've been told to fill them out, don't go on to change the world, don't go on to do anything beneficial for the world whatsoever. They go on to become HR people, you know, or office administrators. 
That's the reality. And that's the, the role that this system is preparing them for. Now, if you think I'm wrong, and you think I'm overblowing uh, sort of the nefariousness of the school, you might be right. Um, but what I'm capturing is a general truth. I am capturing a general truth. The details or the particulars of which, of course, there are going to be variances from school to school, from teacher to teacher, etc. But if you think that I'm wrong, then look at what happens when we have someone who does not conform to the system. Who doesn't play along. What happens when you have a kid who has a personality who is not willing to be chained to a desk in a beige or grayscale room with white fluorescent lights all throughout the day? Who would rather be outside understanding life, uh, socializing with other individuals without having the constraints of being told what to say, when to say it, when to get up. What happens when you have someone who has energy, who doesn't want to learn these useless things that they're told are necessary? Well, we take them to a doctor and we make them eat drugs that take away their desire to live life, their desire to be out exploring, their desire to be understanding the world, to be mastering their environment, to be exploring what it is to be alive. We put drugs into them, into these children, to make them want to sit to make them obedient, to make them complicit. Or we put them into special classes that make them feel stupid and reaffirm the idea every single day that because they are different and they're not operating along these lines that they've been told to conform to, but because they have some individual strength of character, some individual will, they have a desire not to be bent and broken and molded by a system outside their control that they had no hand in creating. They had no say in. Because of that, they are ostracized or excommunicated, punished, drugged, and most of all, robbed of good career opportunities. They end up getting bad grades or being kicked out of school, having a bad GPA, not being able to get into college, not being able to get into a good college, not being able to get into a college or a program which they are interested in because they weren't willing to conform. And so what do they do? They languish 
where they beat themselves down. They beat themselves into the right shape so that they can eke out a meager living just to survive because they need to provide for themselves or their family. That's the world that we have lived in. And I'm not saying that sort of administrative work or um, even HR is totally wrong and bad for everyone. I think it's soul-crushing and mind-numbing and libido-killing, but uh, there are some people who really like that, <laughs> whose minds work in a very organized manner and who like to have structure and like to uphold that structure and like to work within the confines of a context that they can more clearly understand. And I'm not saying that that is negative, but uh, it doesn't really appeal to me. And it doesn't appeal to a large swath of not just our culture, but of humanity. But thankfully, and I hope that I'm right, this world is changing. The idea that everyone has to have some clock-in, clock-out job, something that takes them away from home, that forces them into a conformity that is not natural for any individual. It is not natural or normal throughout the course of history to have such a unified, uh, unilateral direction or what would you say um, definition for what people are doing or how they live their lives each of us is an individual each of us has had experiences in their lives that do not apply to anyone else why because they're your experience you experienced them they affected you they formed you each of us has passions and loves and interests that are not shared by anyone else in the same way because you are unique and different. And this isn't some, some hippie rambling tirade about how special everyone is. It's true. Everyone is special. My point is we all know that. The only reason that we have to have people continually telling us that, like, oh, you're special, love yourself, is because we live within a system. We live within a, an interconnected web of institutionalized humanity and consciousness, which we have not been able or willing to break free of for the past couple hundred years. And the thing is, that moment in human history was necessary. That's the thing. We have to understand, each era that humanity has gone through and this sort of attending um, ills or evils of that era were necessary things for humanity to go through and to figure out how to move beyond. But we're now at the point where we need to move beyond. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Um, you can look 
up the podcast on Instagram, New Illumination Podcast. That is uh, new underscore illumination underscore podcast. Um, I'm going to have a Facebook page coming up here pretty soon, even though I hate Facebook with every fiber of my being. I think it's a good uh, format for putting things out. So I'm going to do that. (laughs) I have newilluminationpodcast at gmail.com. And I am going to be working on a domain, on an actual website where I can post everything, because then I can post my little Uh, show notes or short essays on the subjects that I'm covering here. And that can be hopefully a place where some discussion can happen, etc. But for now, look those things up. Follow this one on Spotify or Google Podcasts or Anchor, wherever you uh, happen to listen to podcasts. And let the discussion continue.